If you can learn to get in the room, to be someone who is at the table, to practice, like I said before, walking through crowds, speaking, visualizing where you're going to be getting hours at the thing, your chances of success and probability of being there and feeling comfortable once you get there go up exponentially. Welcome to Bullish, where we talk about the journey and process to build ourselves and companies into multi-billion dollar people and brands. Currently, my business and investment funds have done tens of millions in revenue. And this is the documentation of the journey to scale to the billion dollar realm. All while we give back and do good in the world. My name is Bridger Pennington and welcome to Bullish. So last week, Mason and I spoke in front of 5,000 people, which was insane at Funnel Hacking Live. So in this episode, I want to walk you guys through how we prepped for this. We, I think we had a ton of people tell us that, like we were their favorite talk of the entire event. I'm sure other people said that, but anyways, we're going to claim it <laughs> as one of the favorites, but we had a lot of fun. But also I want to share something interesting that I have done for years and years to prep myself for these events. So let me take you there. Actually, we're in Orlando. This is a massive event. Funnel Hacking Live is huge. And it was funny, this is a, you know, multi three to 5,000 person event. And I was in the crowd and it was funny. So we spoke on I think, the second or third day and we spoke twice and it was interesting though. So I was walking through the crowd, you know, when I, we sat right in the front, I was walking on the crowd back to the speakers and back and forth. And what's funny is I've, I've mentioned this before, but I've had a dream since I was little, like to be an onstage speaker, to speak in front of big crowds and big events. I don't know why you can call me like stupid or whatever. Like that's, that was my dream. I don't know why I've like always envisioned this. And I've, I've done, I didn't recognize this until I was there just a few weeks ago. And I was walking through the, through the crowd and I, and when you walk, like when you're walking from like the front, very front to the back, people tend to look at you and they just want to look at you as you're walking by. And I realized I've done this for years and years and years. Uh, the first time I went to Funnel Hacking Live was in 2019. During that event and 2020 and the 2022 event, whatever event we were at, I would stand up and act like I was walking and speaking to the crowd. As strange as that sounds, I've done that for years. And I, and I was, it was, we were prepping. This is day one. The crowd was all there. I stood up and I remember walking back. Jocko Willick was speaking actually. So Jocko speaking, everyone's listening to Jocko. And I stood up and started to walk back. People start to look at you. And I, I was like, you know what? Like, imagine I'm speaking to these people right now. And I've done this for years where I would stand up. You stand up very straight. Like if you watch Tony Robbins, he'll walk through the crowd and really, and by the way, if you're a speaker, the easiest thing to stand out, like go in the crowd. A lot of speakers think there's like rules. You only have to be on stage. Go in the crowd, interact with people. Like it's a live audience for a reason. So many speakers would stand out like crazy if they just did that simple trick. Walk in the crowd, talk to somebody, look at someone right in the eyes. Anyways, no one does it. No one does it. And I always do it. Every time I speak, I, I pretty much every single time I walk in the crowd, uh, at least once or twice. And so I was like, I'm gonna, I, I needed to, even though I didn't have a chance to be on stage, I wanted to at least feel the, pro I wanted to taste it. I wanted to touch it. And so I would, I would walk through the crowd. I'm not, I'm not speaking at the events, Jocko speaking, but I would walk, I would stand up straight. I'd kind of look at people in the eye and act like I was speaking to this audience a little bit. And this is a principle for life. Uh, me and my wife have done this for years. We've gone and we look at big homes. Anybody else do this? You like drive around on Sunday afternoon, you go look at huge properties. And, and where I live, they do this thing called the parade of homes where you have a chance to actually go in huge mansions like once a year and you get to look through these. And the idea of it was like, I'm like, honey, we need to go. We need to taste it. We need to touch it. We need to feel it. We need to feel comfortable with this kind of, this huge 15,000 square foot house. We need to feel comfortable being here. That's a reason I like to like be at fancy hotels or be in places that are above my league of, of places that I want to be because I want to taste it. I want to touch it. I want to feel it. And what happens is 
you become the average of the five people you hang out with, right? So if you can hang out in those scenarios and be around the people, the things, the items that are on your vision board, the things that you want, what happens is you start to attract those things to your life and they become more comfortable. The first time you walk into that country club or walk into that big hotel, you're going to feel uncomfortable. The first time you speak on stage, you're going to feel super uncomfortable. And so my idea was let's get more comfortable with 3000 people looking at me. And so I would walk around and cause people are making eye contact with you as you walk around. And if, when you stand up straight and kind of, you know, you act like you're somebody, people will look at you. And I said, I want to get comfortable with this many eyeballs on me as I kind of just walk around this audience. And what well, the funniest thing was, was we got on stage, the, the biggest takeaway. So I'll tell you about our talk when we did, but me and Mason got up. We actually spoke twice with Russell, which was amazing. F FHL was an awesome event. We spoke in the morning for just five or seven minutes. Um, and then we actually did our, our full keynote later in the day. But it's funny, our, our takeaway when me and Mason got off stage was like, huh, it wasn't that crazy. And it was like, it was like we'd been there before. It was felt comfortable. It felt like we had done this. And now we've thrown fun launch live. We've had, we had 2000 people at our last event. So we're, I've definitely gotten more comfortable with that many people. But even this event, we were, it was an event we, we aspired to speak at. So I'll take you back. FHL, Fun Hacking Live was, we took, went to it in 2019. It set the seed in me and Mason's brain of the type of company we wanted to launch. We wanted to launch this company called Fun Launch um, and help people, educate people around the world to help them launch and scale funds. And it gives the idea of like, we should do this. And like, it gave us a vision. Like we want to build big events like this and build big stages. And which is crazy, three, four years later, we did it. Like we've built two, we've done two events that with over a thousand people, you guys don't understand how hard that is. Like Russell Brunson, we we're talking to him backstage. He's like, of all the things I market, he's one of the top marketers in the world. Like the OG of marketing, founder of ClickFunnels. He like made the term funnel. Like that's from him. He's like, we, the hardest thing we advertise is in-person events, throwing a multi, most, a lot of people can get together like a one or 200 people to an event, like you get your friends, family, whatever. Whenever you get over a thousand people, it's a whole different tier of marketing. It is insane. You talk to Grant Cardone. He says, the hardest thing I market is my events, 10X Growth Con. The hardest thing we do is live in-person events. And so for us to be able to like conference that was huge. But the coolest thing for me and Mason was like, we've been here before. And I want to give you guys a challenge that are listening to this. Like, whatever it is, if it needs to be, be in that big boardroom or you're trying to raise capital or in a company, like if you can get in the room, if you can taste it, if you can touch it, if you can feel it, if you can be around it, if you can feel more comfortable with the thing, you will naturally feel like you then start to belong there. And what happens is it becomes a standard in your life. Tony Robbins will say, we don't get our wants, we get our needs. We always meet our needs. We meet a standard in our life. If you have a standard of being a millionaire, you will be a millionaire. That's why these people that, you know, they make 20 million and they lose it and then they make it again. Why? Because they had a standard. It's like a thermometer. Anyways, I won't go too deep in this, but if you can taste it, feel it, touch it, it's massive. And so when we got on stage, our biggest takeaway was like, wow, we've like, it feels like we've been here before. Now, um, for our, for our talk, uh, we wanted to be, you know, stand out. There's a plenty of speeches. A lot of people speak at, at big events like this, but we wanted to be like super unique. And so we, uh, we did a number of things that was, we thought was pretty unique, um, for our talks. So we get on stage first thing, like when you get on stage, um, that you need to know, like you always, the chain of control is massive. There's going to be an MC on stage that is going to be announcing you. Welcome to the stage, like Bridger Pennington or Mason brains. Okay. That person holds like the power from the room. When you walk on stage, you, there's called a transfer of power. And bad speakers will not do this. Good speakers know this. You have to go over and hug or, you know, somehow interact with the MC 
Because what happens is the MC that announced you, like on stage, they have we have Devon Brown, one of the best MCs in the world at our events for Fun Lost Life. I, we, by the way, if you're throwing events, your MC is the most important thing you get at your event. I don't care the speakers, the keynotes, whoever. Your MC, the person who controls the room, introduces it to people, that bring them on stage, controls the energy of the room, is the most important. I've been to events that had great speakers, a terrible MC, and I hated the event. Like it can turn off your audience very quickly. Make sure you have a good MC. Our MC is phenomenal. So he's out there. Welcome to stage, Bridger Pennington. You got to run on stage and there's a transfer of power. You go, you hug the MC, you're there. Hey, thanks, man. And then you can go out and interact with the crowd. Uh, if you are at an event where you don't have an MC, still, you recognize the person who threw the event or is putting on the event. Maybe there wasn't an MC or there wasn't that opportunity. First thing you stay on stage. Wow. Just c congrats to Joe who put this event together, man. He's, do you guys love Joe? Clap it up for Joe. What it does is builds instant rapport with your audience because they already like Joe. They don't know who you are, but if you like Joe and they like Joe, you can like Joe together. And what it does is it passes some of their, you know, and you say, man, Joe called me a couple months to speak here. I was honored and blessed by him and what he's built, this community, this stage, this is amazing. You guys are here, like stuff like that. You do it on purpose as a speaker to build instant rapport with the audience. Bad speakers do not do that. And they, they come up with a cold start. It's a lot harder to gain that energy back if you don't do that on stage. Sorry, getting detailed here. So we go out, we, we come out. The first thing I said to Mason, I'm like, we gotta, so we, we have a couple little intro things you hit very quickly um, on, uh, on when you speak or give any presentation. You know, where, what's your qualifications? Why are you qualified to speak with you? What are you gonna get out of the next, you know, 30 minutes, 60 minutes? Um, what's the big hook or big domino? Why should they stay to the end? Why aren't they going to the bathroom, go get lunch, go get whatever? Um, if you can put some of those things in the beginning, and we did them very fast. So we walked on the stage, we're like, hey, we're here to show you in the next X number of minutes why or how you should gamify funnels and make buying really fun. Now we're qualified to do this because we've launched a company called Fun Launch. We've done 20 something million in sales in the last three years. We were just like you a few years ago, but now we've gone and we've thrown big events. So our goal for you, future pacing the audience, is that you can go do the same thing. You guys can make millions of dollars doing your own gamified funnels or making very fun gamified campaigns. And we're qualified to teach you that because we've already done it. And our whole goal of this talk is just to give to you everything that we've worked on, everything. So stay to the end. We're actually gonna do this live with you today and show you a live demonstration of doing a what we call dramatic demonstrations. You guys in? Okay, that took 60 seconds. But what that does is that hooks your audience on all those little mentor, mental triggers of why they should listen to you, why you're qualified, what's a hook to the end, what are they gonna get out of this talk? Ta-da, okay, bam, I bought in. Hey, hey guys, hope you're enjoying the show. Now, as you know, we don't run advertisements on this channel. We just spread this by word of mouth. So if you can, please rate and review the show. If it's benefited your life anyway, please drop that down below. I actually love reading them. I love seeing what people say and share and stuff. So if you guys can, if you, this show has helped you in any way, shape, or form, please rate and review and share this with a friend or two that may benefit their life. We do this just to help more people understand this game that we're playing. Thank you guys so much, and we'll get back to the show. Now I said, Mason, we need to build rapport with the audience. So the first thing I said, Mason, um, so what we said to the audience was, hey, we're, uh, you know, we actually have been here. I've been to the last five, I literally have been to the last five Funnel Hacking Lives. It's a great, if you guys are into online marketing, it's a fantastic conference. I highly recommend it. Go buy a ticket, it's amazing. And we've been to the last five. And I'm like, I would come here even if I wasn't speaking. It's a great event. And I still would. I probably, I'm going to next year. I, I like, it's such a good event. Like I have to go. Um, and we actually model our funnel, uh, fun launch live after, after their events because they they throw their events so well. And I, I think we've done a pretty good job modeling them. And our events, we've kind of made our own tweaks and our own skews, but I'll, I'll credit to Russell with these events. He's done an incredible job. But I said, 
who's my people that line up at the doors and like sprint in? And at our events, if you guys have been to Fun, uh, Fun Launch Live, like we close the doors and it's first come, first serve for seats. So you just run in. People like sprint in to get the best seats. And so I said, who's my runners? And people raise their hand. I'm like, let's go down the audience and see where our runners are. So we walk down to the audience. First off, you break that, what's, what's called the fourth wall when you speak. There's, uh, you know, when you watch a speaker speak, there's sometimes this wall of like the stage to the audience. And it's like, almost feels like if someone doesn't ever break the fourth wall, it feels like it could be a hologram up there. It feels like we're watching a video. Like if a speaker never engages with the audience, never walks in the the crowd, it like, it might as well just be a hologram up there. What happens is speakers can do a lot of different things is if they look at someone, so they're still on stage. If they look at someone and say like you right there, like I'm looking at you with the hat. Like this, you look like me like 10 years ago, whatever. All of a sudden that like broke the fourth. It breaks, uh, I think, I don't know what the wall is, like third wall or whatever. Uh, But it breaks that barrier between the wall and the audience. Like, oh man, like we're actually really here with this person. The next tier is if the speaker actually walks out of the audience and actually interacts with people like face to face and is like, hey, what's your name? Okay, Joe. Yeah, good to meet you, Joe. Where are you from? Like all of a sudden it's like, holy crap, like this is live. Joe, why hasn't your business grown this, this year? What's stopping you from growing? Well, you know, and all of a sudden it's like crap, like, dude, this is live. And it, what they say is it breaks the fourth wall between this, this wall of the barrier. Anyways, with the, with the stage, very dynamic speakers will do that. Non-dynamic speakers will not do that. Um, so little tips, if you want to be a dynamic speaker to, you know, break that fourth wall. There are not rules when you speak. You can do stuff like this. Go out, like have your audience stand up, give them high fives, like, even you do simple stuff like that. It does a huge thing with an audience's engagement with you. So anyways, I said, Mason, we got to break the fourth wall. So I said, we, we did that little intro and I said, Hey, who's my runners? Who's people like sprint in? I'm like, Mason, let's go down the odds. Let's find these people. I'll go to the right side. Mason, you go to the left. And like, and I, we told a little story. Like when we ran in, I would, Mason would take the left side. I would take the right side and whoever got the best seat, we'd like go and pair up. So I'm going to take the right side. Where's my runners? Raise your hands tall. And they'd raise their hands. And I said, okay, um, you know what? Actually, I've got a hundred dollars in my pocket right now for the fastest runner who can get here right now. And right then, as I was saying this, about 20 people stood up and sprinted towards me and they kind of, I was like tackled. They ripped the money out of my hands or whatever. And they split up the money. And, um, which again, we're breaking the fourth wall. Like we're real humans. We're right here with you. And what we were essentially saying as well is like, we were in your seats. We were right in your seats just a couple years ago. And now we're on stage speaking. We we're trying to break that barrier in their brain. Like you guys can do this. So Mason now is across the room and he's in the audience. And I said, okay, um, for you runners, you guys have one more chance. Uh, Mason is across the room over there. He doesn't know this, but before we came out, I slipped a hundred dollars into his front right pocket. So right now stand up. And as I'm saying this 20 to 30 people are sprinting over to Mason. And I was like, grab him, touch him, whatever. He loves being touched by strangers. Just go at it. And people, it's kind of funny. And I mean, he really got like, I mean, he got handled by people. People were ripping him apart and stuff and pulled the, pulled the money out. And it was kind of funny. And, uh, you know, got a good laugh from the audience. And, and we liked it. Anyways, we come back to the stage and I said, okay, you guys ready to dive in? We're gonna do this, this, and this. Okay, let's dive in. And so we just hopped right into our training. And so our training was all around um, doing dramatic demonstrations. But before I dive into that, wasn't that a good intro? Maybe, I don't know, maybe I think too much highly of myself, but that's, that you look at 20 speakers, none of them do that. Till one comes out, they interact with the audience, they're actually giving, we gave $200 away to the audience. All of a sudden there's reciprocity. We gave them something, now they feel like they need to give us something. Ah, interesting, these mental triggers, 
If you read the book called Influence or Launch by Jeff Parker, it talks about these mental triggers, scarcity, urgency, reciprocity. I mean, this, there's so many, you can, there's usually, I think seven, some books have nine, some have seven, some have five, whatever. The mental triggers that trigger someone to buy or to just have reciprocity with you. Um, and so, man, that was like, we stood out like crazy just from the beginning, from the opening three minutes. We then hop into our presentation. Mason tells a story, stories sell, uh, facts tell, stories sell, right? Stories always do better. So he tells a story about JCPenney. We then started to share campaigns. So if you guys have seen our, our stuff, I Trump, I jumped over a uh, our Audi R8. We did like this whole demo where I jumped over Audi R8. We did, a, we did the Fund World Cup, we did the Fund Olympics. We've done all these fun promotions. We started to share the videos, the funny videos that we've done from them. We made these really funny ads where we were, at least we thought we were funny. Um, I don't know if they were that funny, but you guys can go watch them on YouTube or whatever. But we made all these, so we're showing them funny ads that the, I think the audience really liked because they're online marketers. They love seeing ads. And then we say, um, <laughs> you guys might've seen this on Instagram. I posted it, but we, I'm sitting there. I said, hey, so last story to like demonstrate this. So, and what we were saying is take an existing thing. Like we copied ESPN. It spent millions of dollars in this one ad where they was for the World Cup where people in the office were, they would get hit by somebody and then they'd fall over and fake an injury to try to get HR to like cover them. It was kind of making fun of flopping in soccer. And so we copied the ad and we made a video of Stockton walking into me and Mason. He fell over, he's like, oh, my ankle, my knee, you know? And he's like, oh, please, like give me paid time off. And we were just like, and then me and Mason don't respond to it. We're like, nah, he's just flopping, like we're good. So videos like that, we're saying take existing creatives and turn them into your own. For instance, for example, Kobe Bryant jumped over a Aston Martin to advertise his shoes back in like 2003. So we did a vehicle, uh, we did a, excuse me, an advertisement where we, we had give away these shoes for people that launch funds over $10 million, you get a pair of shoes. And we, we jumped over a car with the pair of shoes. And that was edited video. I didn't actually jump over a car, just disclaimer, but it looks really good. So what we're saying is use existing creative. So we're in there, <laughs> we're on stage and we pull up a picture of our guy, Adam. He said, hey, this is, one of, this is a great example of this. Here's our guy, Adam and his wife. Um, and actually Adam's in the audience right now. And so he was a couple of years you know, back, we were at the company barbecue and Adam came with his wife and me and Mace are kind of joking on stage. like, And we're saying, yeah, I think Adam, like his wife, she had some kind of, I don't know, disease. Like she lost all of her hair and whatever. Anyways, so Mason was cracking some jokes about her and whatever. And, and as we're saying this, Adam gets out of his seat and starts walking on stage and he's stepping up the stairs and he takes his jacket off and throws it on the ground. And people in the audience are like, they're like, whoa, like security. Like people are saying like, somebody grab this guy. Like what's going on? Like there's a guy coming on stage and he walks on stage up to Mason and slaps Mason across the face and Mason like falls over. He comes over to me, slaps me across the face. I fall over. And then he pulls a microphone out of his back pocket that no one could see. He pulled out a microphone. And he goes, keep my wife's name out your freaking mouth. And, uh, and then everyone started to get the joke. This is from, if you guys have seen Chris, Chris Rock and Will Smith, when Will Smith slapped Chris Rock at the Oscars a couple years ago, this is exactly what he said. And then, so we responded, we said, Hey man, it was just a joke. And he goes, he says it again, just like Will Smith. And he goes, keep my wife's name out your freaking mouth. And, uh, he said it perfectly, by the way, he killed it. And it was awesome. Adam Smith, man, what a guy. And so he goes to walk off stage and literally the, the crowd gave us a standing ovation. The crowd stands up, give us a full standing ovation. Um, and it was, it was pretty phenomenal. Um, people loved it. They were like, like a good, healthy standing ovation. It was amazing. And we were like, 
and, you know, Adam, get back up. And we pulled him on stage and we just, you know, give Adam another round of applause. We gave him a round of applause because he, he really did. It was just a shock. It was a shock factor. Uh, the people, there was a couple people that gasped, like as the slap hit, like we could hear them like, <gasps> like, you know, people yelling, get security. Like it was, it was very, uh, you know, spur of the moment. And then we popped up and we said, hey, dramatic demonstrations. Like this is what we're teaching. And remember at the beginning when we said, we're going to do this live with you today. We just did one in front of this audience taking an existing creative. It doesn't cost much money, but it takes a little creativity to do this. And then we closed up our talk. We got another standing ovation at the end of our talk. And it was, um, it was pretty phenomenal. Um, and then again, we got off stage and, and we had a blast, dude. It was so fun. We came off. If you guys speak on stage, you get this speaker high. It's just like, it's so hard to come off that high. It's, it's just so fun. Especially when you feel like you've interacted with the crowd, the crowd got a ton of value. And we had, we got, we kind of walked through the, we, we went out in the hallway after and we had, I don't know, I mean, dozens and dozens and dozens, maybe hundreds of people come up to us and like, that was the best talk I've seen. That was hands down amazing. Like you guys are insane. Like that was so cool. Like they, like anyways, it was really, it was a, you know, really fun thing. And just, a, I don't know, a dream come true for me and Mason, but um, hopefully you guys lean, you know, got a few takeaways from how to prepare to speak, how to come on stage, how to have fun with it. Like treat it like a game, um, treat this thing like, you know, you can, there's so many little things you can tweak to make a talk really good or really bad. And, um, and it was, and the last thing I'll say is taste it though, touch it, feel it, whatever that thing is in your life on your vision board, if you can get around it, if you can be in the situation, I, for example, I'll, I'll close with this. I knew I wanted to be a business owner and there's a couple of routes to run a business and be a CEO or whatever. Um, you know, you can work up the corporate ladder and you can work your way up for 20, 25 years. And then maybe one day you'll be in that seat. Um, and, but for me, I was like, man, I want to get experience. Malcolm Gladwell talks about the 10,000 hour. I want to get hours in the seat, making actual business decisions. And same with running a fund. And I was like, man, I could spend 20 years just working for someone else until maybe I'll, they'll let me make a decision or I could start learning how to make decisions now at a small scale. And so in college, I launched an investment fund. So a lot of you guys know my story. What it did was allow me to think like a business owner. I love the quote. He says, once a president of company, always a president of a company. It's interesting. Once you're a president of a company, you will never, maybe never to say never, but never go back to a normal job. You will always be a president of a company whether it's small or big, because it's, first off, you've tasted blood of what it's like to be a decision maker in a company. But number two is, it's the learning you get from being in the room, being in the table, at the seat, making decisions for the good, better or the worse. You are there and you learn so much more from that. I started six businesses my first two years of college. Why? I, yes, I wanted to make money, but more, I wanted to learn the process of building businesses, being a decision maker, seeing the real world effects of A or B, not theorizing about it, not learning from a case study, not working for someone else. I wanted to do it from real time and real dollars would be made or real dollars would be lost. And what happens is it tunes your brain to work in a different way at a faster, higher frequency than someone else who is a passive pawn in someone else's game. If you can learn to get in the room, to be someone who is at the table, to practice, like I said before, walking through crowds, speaking, visualizing where you're going to be getting hours at the thing, your chances of success and probability of being there and feeling comfortable once you get there go up exponentially. And it becomes a standard in your life that you're all, once a president of company, you're always a president of a company. And it builds a standard. It builds a habitual ritual in your life. And it's so important to do. And so many people get called to the plate one time in their career 
and they strike out because they haven't trained themselves over years to be comfortable once their name is called. That's the episode for today. Thank you guys so much. Please comment, like, subscribe, whatever. Help this show out. Help it grow. Send this to more people. You guys are amazing. See you in the next episode. Peace.